0: Welcome back to Filmcraft.
1: Filmcraft.
0: Is that your P. Diddy?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Bad boy. Oh, man, I'm out of touch. So out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to be cool, Matt? Don't you want to talk about Puffy? <laughs> you know, what? just a quick question. Do you ever think about that? Like, am I getting old? Does that ever go through your mind uh you mean
0: just like in terms of like uh art like societally music and stuff or just in terms of yeah okay yeah for sure i i do think so i mean sometimes i listen to to like younger kids music and it's cool but other times i'm like listening to stuff from like the 70s and i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm so old (laughs) even though i was born in the 90s (laughs)
1: That's a thought that's crossed my mind for the last couple of years because as I – have like I talked about on the podcast before, I was in a a touring rock band, right? And then I totally gave that up and I haven't really played any music since I've transitioned into film. And music has just become less and less of a part of my life to the point where anything I'll listen to other than if it's something my wife puts on and I don't know what it is and I ask her and she's like, oh, this is something rather current, like – I haven't listened to anything from the 2010s in—I can't even tell you how long.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, uh, there's so much music to listen to. It's yeah, you can listen to what's happening now, and usually that's what's being fed to you. But there's just like a treasure trove of music from you know generations that we we've never existed, and that is awesome as well. So.
1: yeah yeah definitely and like on the opposite side of that coin as well if people think that there's so much film and tv and media content that they can't keep up with netflix and stuff like that like the music world is that on steroids it it'll take the quickest filmmaker what like Six months to make a feature, mm-hmm. I can sit down and write you an album and have it on YouTube in like 75 minutes. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> yeah, some dude was a guitarist, like, I just made four albums. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> Anyways, what are we really talking about today, Latif? Yeah, we're going to
0: have an update on what film festivals are doing because it looks like there's been some new happenings with South by Southwest and also recently Tribeca.
1: Yeah, and then just in general, we're going to have a bit of an update episode. So film festivals, um, Latif has a little bit to talk about Vimeo because we realized that we didn't get it all. And then I'm going to do a bit of an update about I just finished that script where I didn't use an outline and it was a journey to say the least.
0: I'm going to briefly talk about the use of IMDB.
1: Very technical episode today, but it's going to be good. So why don't you take it away, buddy?
0: Well, it looks like South by Southwest, they're partnering with Amazon and they're having something called the Prime Video Presents the South by Southwest 2020 Film Festival Collection. And that's going to be a 10 day exclusive Amazon showing of a bunch of films from uh, the festival selection. All you have to do is have a free Amazon account. So it's kind of cool that they're doing that. I think it's gonna trend that way because even just um from tribeca exclusively streaming vr experiences in our eye-popping immersive cinema 360 program yeah it looks like they're doing some stuff online as well i don't know if they're gonna go to the same extent as south by southwest and just like have a bunch of their films up but you know i wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens soon
1: do you know the, the format of it? Like, it's a 10-day thing, but is it like your typical film festival where if you want to watch zombie movie A, it plays at Friday at 4? Or is it just you have this buffet of movies for 10 days, here's your pick, watch them whenever you want?
0: So I assume they're going to make a channel that's just the South by Southwest things. Um, okay. And then you go to that channel on Amazon Prime and you can watch all those films. So it'll be part of a collection. But it's not going to be like time based, which I think is it. It makes it just easier for everyone. Um, it'll just be like you know Netflix; you can watch it whenever you want.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then like you mentioned, the, the some of the gigantic movies probably won't stream on there. But we don't have any word on what will be on there versus what won't. Right?
0: No, the the way it works is um, whoever. Wants to opt into the program. So the filmmaker has to be like, yes, I want to do this. And once they say yes, then they'll be part of the collection. So if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. So I assume some people will want to be a part of it. And then some people will say, we don't want to do that right now because we are looking to take the film somewhere else.
1: So overall, like, what's your take on this moving to online platform for these film festivals? What do you think of it?
0: Now that people can watch it on major platforms and and it it's widely available for anyone to see it really gives you an audience again um even though it doesn't feel the same as when you're in a theater you're still getting a lot of eyes on your work so it's going to provide opportunities and and make filmmakers feel like their their work is being seen and it's not all for nothing um and and i'm sure that's for feature filmmakers to short filmmakers to documentary filmmakers everyone's going to get a chance to get their work out there And for the film festivals moving forward, it's probably a good thing. Um, There are many ways to set up uh, online platforms to watch stuff. And and I think other film festivals are going to figure out how to do that.
1: Um, And as someone that has their film in contention at some of these festivals, just what's your personal take about, you know, your film might get into one of these big festivals and they might say, hey, it's just online this year. What do you think of that? Like if you were to be a part of them?
0: yeah I, I wouldn't be opposed to that it just depends on the festival and the timing because i i do still have quite a few film festivals i'm waiting to hear back from later in the year as well so i don't want to jump the gun too early so it depends on the festival depends on the timing but i think it's cool like i wouldn't mind being a part of something like that if the opportunity came up
1: all right uh which one do you want to tackle next
0: uh, I guess we can. I can quickly. I mean, since we're on the topic of festivals and online, we can quickly go mm-hmm. through the, the Vimeo thing because I forgot to yeah, mention yeah. in the episode when we talked about Vimeo in depth the actual analytic tool that I use for Crazy for You. So I look at um, how fin- film festivals are engaging with the actual movie. So what I can do is from the day I submitted the film to today, I can look at the analytics of all the uh, viewing habits of the festivals. Now, you know, the the one thing to keep in mind is these analytics are pretty accurate, but they're not 100% accurate, so there could always be some blips and mistakes. What What's been useful is I can actually track when people stop watching the film just by... Uh, view time, so it'll say like they've watched ninety eight percent of your film, so I know they've gotten to the credits, and that's probably where they turned it off. but if it's like you know it's thirty six percent of the film, it's like oh shit, they didn't even make it past the first time, so you can <laughs> kind of tell by looking at that, and it's a really good way to see which festivals are actually watching your film all the way through, so I've been getting some pretty um good statistics whereas like most people that watch the film get all the way to the end of it and then there's like a few film festivals that get to like 79-89% so they get through most of it with the bigger festivals as well they they always have people pre-screening films to make sure it goes to a programmer afterwards because a lot of festivals have that thing where they want two people to watch the whole thing um, for sure whether it gets selected or not just to make sure that people are actually watching the films and I'm actually quite surprised that most film festivals are actually watching the film, which is really comforting. Because um, I'm sending money and the film out, and I have no idea what's happening after that. But Vimeo's giving me a little bit of insight into how people are actually uh, responding to it. And it looks like people are watching the movie, which makes me feel a lot better than just um, blindly getting like a rejection seven months from now without knowing. Uh, what's actually going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. It almost sounds like, to be honest, that paying for Vimeo that analytic is worth the payment in itself. Yeah, maybe because
0: <laughs> YouTube still does it for free. Um, I, I don't. I don't have a Vimeo account just for the analytics, but it is really, really useful and really easy to to kind of like see how things are going. It's it's always to be taken with a grain of salt because we don't know exactly how it's all working. Um, the only way to be really sure, but it's a really tedious way of doing it is to like go to, um, what I do is go to film freeway and get all the festivals I've submitted to. Then I look at the actual, uh, festival numbers and I go to Vimeo and look at the actual link because it shows you where they're watching it. So on Vimeo through film freeway, and I look at the name of the link and I match them up and I can actually see which festivals watched on which day and stuff like that so you can get pretty specific with looking at festivals behaviors but at that point it's like you're just you're kind of going a little crazy there. it's not that important to know that kind of stuff You're using averages is a really good way to see how people are responding so i stick to just looking at the averages of um how engaged people are with the film but so far it's looking pretty good
1: i kind of regret not being able to track or choosing no not choosing or being ignorant of the fact that i could track analytics that way while what we don't say was going through their fest it's festival run there mm-hmm. how much attention do you pay to this
0: um usually around notification dates or if i get um like a, some correspondence from a film festival what really what i want to do is avoid festivals who don't watch your film at all
1: yeah so if there's a definitely. festival
0: that just doesn't watch my film or doesn't even play it, then I kind of remember like, okay, stay away from that film festival because they just took your money and they didn't even look at your film but I haven't had that for many festivals, and I've submitted to I don't know thirty film festivals at least so it's it's a it's pretty comforting to know that they're all actually watching the movie and for a twenty
1: four minute short film that's actually really nice so i don't have too much to add to this (laughs) but do you have any final thoughts before we move on to the
0: the next one um i i only look at it when there's actual data to look at it's not like i'm sitting on vimeo every day looking at the analytics it would be a complete waste of time
1: that's probably a good call i mean i think you would go pretty pretty nuts pretty fast if you just stared at it yeah for sure I guess we'll go into the writing one. Sure. Um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on this because we had mentioned in earlier episodes that I'm writing my first script without an outline mm-hmm. and I'm now done said script. And it, it was an adventure to say the least. Like I, I can't <laughs> to really say the least. It was a big undertaking, especially coming from the total opposite end of what i usually do like usually it's just outline outline build off that outline and the outline never vanishes until i have a movie it's just constantly growing and growing and to not have that and just jump into a script and just basically start writing shit it was intimidating um there was one moment probably somewhere between page 50 and 70 it ended up being 111 pages but Mm -hmm. between 50 and 70 where i really really started losing steam i was like i am so disheartened right now i kind of can feel where this is going but i don't want to do this It seems like there's so much to carve out because i haven't done any work Mm -hmm. to what's coming later and i really really had to push through that um it was really hard and at times it felt like I was a zombie just sitting at the keyboard and hitting keys randomly. <laughs> but once I got through that hump and I got into the finale, things just started clicking and everything kind of wrapped up really, really nicely. I was able to do tons of callbacks that typically aren't really my thing in scripts when I outline, but they, it, every, everything ended up shaping up really, really nicely. I'm super proud of the script and it's gotten me questioning if outlining's the way to go. I know what I'm going to write next. And initially I was like, I can't wait to move on to this next project, go back to an outline and just do things. I don't want to say the easy way, but the more familiar way. And now I'm like, this script turned out so well that maybe I'll just keep going without this outline thing because the, The ability to grow it organically like that, I think it turned into something really, really nice. And yeah, for anyone out there that usually does outlines or never does outline, try the opposite thing because it might be brutal and odds are it probably will be brutal because you're really not used to it. But it can turn into something really, really good. And I think I have a deeper appreciation for writing and better ability to do it um i'll also add on a little asterisk that when i went into this the idea was to try to write a script without an outline that was the challenge and i also challenged myself to the way i for not format but the way i write sentences i wanted to do it completely differently so i almost wanted to verge on overwriting and then see how that felt the whole thing's an experiment and the overwriting part of it like And by overwriting, I mean adding in tiny to medium details that I might have left out of previous scripts. So I don't mean overwriting in the sense that I'm just adding in bullshit that's never going to make it should this get filmed. So, yeah, overall, anyone that's listening to this, just try writing in a way that you've never written before. Even if you think it's going to end up worse, just give it a go. Because if it does end up worse, you can go back to your regular way and just do it like Rayleigh would do and it would be better.
0: Did you keep any analytics while you were doing it with a writing log?
1: I did. I took pictures every day I wrote only after we brought it up on the show, Mm. which I burnt through the rest of the script in, I don't know, like eight ish days. So I don't have tons of analytics, but yeah, I mean, I think I did 70 ish pages in 80 days. So that's a lot. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where you writing every day.
1: Yeah. I would try and do at least so would wake up, exercise a bit and then try and write for at least like two to three hours. Some days, mo- most days I would tap out around there. My brain's pretty fi- fried after two to three hours, but some days I would just feel pretty good. And later that night I would pick it up for another hour or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to the next topic, which is going to be the most free-range topic we've done in a long time because we haven't really discussed it that much. Yeah.
0: But what are we talking about, Latif? I'm going to go into the use of IMDb and whether it's even useful.
1: Well, I mean, just to start, what's your what's your take on it?
0: Well, I don't have an IMDb Pro account, and I know, you know, usually actors will have Pro accounts because they put their pictures up and all their credits are there. It's a useful thing for them to have almost like as a not a website but just a little place to look at what what they've been doing and who they are you know some headshots (laughs) maybe up there but as a filmmaker i don't know necessarily if it's something i've ever used to get work or anything like that i have an imdb page and i have credits listed under there but no one has ever asked me to look at an imdb page and i don't think i've ever sent it to anyone for anything But I do know that I have looked other people up on IMDB before I worked with them just to uh, make sure that they actually worked in the industry, but also to make sure I I see any projects they've worked on to see if they are legitimate or not.
1: You mentioned a lot of actors have them and they'll have the IMDB Pro account. You know, they have their picture, obviously all their credits. They might even have, you know, a bio and fun facts or whatever they call it on the site and I think honestly it's a bit more advantageous for actors to have it because if I'm thinking of casting someone in a movie I need to cast the role of John then I can look up actors and go to their IMDB and just by looking at a headshot, you can kind of see, oh, maybe that person could work or that is the last dude I would ever think to play this role. So the physical image of the actor on IMDb I think is much more important compared to creative types like behind the cameras. So with I want to set up a new movie, Mm -hmm. which you and I have talked about. Um, The script is ready and we have some people interested, but for trying to bring people on specifically i want to bring on a producer that's dealt with budget levels higher than we have before Mm -hmm. i think it's actually quite easy for that because i can go on imdb pro and look them up see what movies they've done and then i can see if there's any movies they have that are in development Mm -hmm. and you can see you know their contact info if they have an agent or whatnot it still is kind of frustrating Um, a lot of the times you'll contact agents and you won't hear back but i think that's just kind of how agents work. That's pretty much all I've used it before. It's good to it's good to be able to look people up.
0: I've actually only used it to look people up.
1: Is IMDB more helpful for actors than the behind the camera creative types?
0: Yeah, I mean there's even professional like editors and cinematographers, I'm sure, who don't have proper IMDB accounts. I think it is more important for actors, but I also think like movie directors We'll probably have one a lot of the times as well. Just because it's a it's the first place you you think of to look at someone to look at what their body of work is. Cinematographer, not really that useful. I mean your reel is probably gonna be much more useful than an IMDB account at that point.
1: One thing that it doesn't necessarily relate to IMDB directly, but one thing that I've noticed a lot of kind of first time Or even first-time actors, anyone that wants to be involved with a project for the first time, they'll be really adamant that they get their IMDb credit. Mm -hmm. And honestly, through so that almost kind of screams, "This is my first time doing this." To me, do you find that as well?
0: So I, I can I can definitely see the the kind of like hunger for credits when you're starting out. But you know, like how do you even get a credit? Is like the first question because like anyone anyone can kind of get a credit it's actually not that hard you know if you if you make a short film and you just put it online you can credit yourself there's a uh page where you can like put credits and you have to write to them and tell them the name of your film and put all the credits in and it could be the worst film of all time and you can still credit yourself on it so it's not that hard to get a credit but I, i can totally see someone new to the industry or someone who's just starting out getting the first credit and being like oh my god My name is on this website, but it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Um, Once you've gotten to like, I don't know, 10, 15 credits, uh, they just add up and and it, it might show that you've got some experience. But really, if you've got 300 credits and you still suck at what you do, it doesn't really make a difference. So, you know, definitely get the credit if you're going for it. And it always feels nicer.
1: Unless you have something else to add. I think that pretty much wraps it up on my end. Yeah, I mean, I uh,
0: what I do like to do is make sure that, like, if I put a film out there and it eventually makes its way towards IMDb. Because if you send your film and it gets to certain film festivals, they they qualify the film to get its own page. So every now and then, um, like a film that I made, its IMDb page will pop up, but it's like completely empty. So I I do like to put, like, the picture and put all the cast and the crew and any information about the film up there and then link it to my page so so that it's properly um, taken care of and listed. And it's really easy to do. It's almost as simple as setting up a Facebook profile. If I'm um, releasing a film at some point and there's a page up for it, I'll try to make sure it looks as up-to-date as possible.
1: Yeah, I think that pretty much covers everything. All right, so this has been Filmcraft. I'm uh, Ralston. And I'm too. And this is brought to you by Acast. Yeah. Well, until next week. Talk to you guys later. All right.